welcome to the award-winning show, Holding Down the Fort, brought to you by U.S. Vet Wealth. A podcast show that focuses on sustaining a fulfilling, a purposeful military life through conversation and community building. I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, veteran spouse, and creator of Holding Down the Fort. And I'm Jenny Lynn Stroop, a seasoned military spouse, mom of two boys, and your co-host. Together, we'll converse with special guests from the military community and for the community to share knowledge, resources, and relevant stories on how we can best hold down the fort for ourselves and our loved ones. Now let's get started. And welcome back to another episode of the award-winning podcast show, Holding Down the Fort. I am your creator and co-host, Jen Amos. And as always, I have my amazing co-host with me, Jenny Lynn Stroop. Jenny Lynn, welcome back. Hey, glad to be here. Yes. And I'm excited because I'm bringing on someone new this time. Normally it's you <laughs> that's bringing someone new. And lately I've been bringing people back, like past guests from our show to be here. But I am super stoked to be bringing on veteran military spouse and what I'm describing as multi-passionate author and podcaster, Keith Hayden. Keith actually was introduced to me through my husband, Scott. We're going to have a lot to say about that because our last conversation, which I can't even believe was weeks ago, I think went on for like over yeah. an hour <laughs> in our yeah, conversation. It, did. it was a good <laughs> but, conversation. Yeah. But Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you taking the time to let me talk to you, you and Jenny Lynn. Yeah. And of course, we appreciate you waking up super early over there in Japan right now to be yeah. able to join our conversation. I haven't yeah. even seen a cup of coffee yet. Like, you're really, you're really in it this morning. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that you get, you just have to get used to that you're going to be on other people's schedule most of the time when you live over here. So, yeah, just the way it goes. Yeah. Like, no joke, on my phone in the clock app, I have like seven different time zones on there just so I know if people are awake or not. I'm like, oh, yeah. you know, if I'm talking to someone, like one of my um, colleagues for a nonprofit is like trying to follow like India time. And I'm just like, yeah. oh my gosh, that is like a huge difference. And then yeah. I speak to someone in Thailand and that's like an 11 hour difference from my, you know, time zone here in, in the yeah. East Coast or in the East Coast with Jenny Lynn and I. And so I don't know, I guess that's just a military life thing. <laughs> to like yeah, to you just have to get used to it. And, you know, I can talk more about it later, but yeah. It's just part of the life, you know, getting used to what time is it at home? What time is it there? You know, just to coordinate, to do anything. You have to keep track of it. Yeah, absolutely. So Keith, like I mentioned, I'm really happy to have you as part of our conversation today because of how you got here. So you actually read my husband's books. (laughs) Let's just start with that. How did you come across his books? (laughs) Yeah, so really I attended one of y'all's webinars for military spouses and we had just gotten out here to Japan. We just PCS like a month and a half ago. So Joe had this military spouse thing for like entrepreneurship. And I had been thinking about expanding some of my online efforts into more of a business type setting. So a business type thing. So I was like, okay, this is the thing about business and entrepreneurship that I'm a military spouse. So I should go. So that night, I don't know if you remember, but I stayed up until like 2 a.m. Japan time to yeah, attend. I remember. And my wife was like, aren't you going to go to bed? You going to eat something first or you going to stay up? I was like, I'll just stay up. So I attended that. And then after you were like, oh, we're going to send out, you know, supplementary materials, the book. And one of them was the book. So a couple of weeks later, the book came in and I just 
attacked it. I think it was the Veteran Wealth Secrets book, and yeah, I read the, the, the entire book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the biggest one, and it, yeah, it was it was pretty beefy. And I got through that in like three or four days. And oh my gosh, I can't even. It's amazing. Yeah, and it was just like it was really a wake up call for me. And it was really like, I was in a place to where I was already getting ready to do a lot of the things that Scott talked about in his book, but that was just kind of the, the catalyst. Okay. Let's get after it. Let's start making some. And then of course that led to the conversation and then now I'm here. So. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I love that. And part of it is because I was part of the writing process for Scott to get this book together. And there were so many times in our experiences, you know, here we are, I think like three to five books later, where there was always sort of this self-doubt that I feel like he sort of had because, you know, when you're, at least in his case, and this is just coming from my own perspective, like watching him be a veteran, watching him Mm -hmm. just feel alone, you know, in in life, especially because he was often in Navy towns. And as an army guy, he always felt like that outlier, (laughs) you know, in a sense. And so for him to have, you know, shared this feeling of like, finding your purpose. Like we often talk about that for veterans about finding your purpose, but there's actually like a a vulnerability to admitting that, that, you know, you're in your second leg of life in a way, and you have to start over. You have to start a new career. You have to start a new sense of self and it's difficult. And so it was interesting watching him or being with him to write that book. And so it means a lot to, you know, hear that you read it and oh my goodness, three to four days. I mean, I, I don't read anything that long in that many days, so I have to give it to you, but I just want to say kudos to you and to have read it that quickly and to, you know, have that book in a sense, be the catalyst for you to be like, okay, I got to do this. I got to commit to this. Sure. Sure. And you, and I'll speak to that self doubt piece because that's what really resonated with me about the book. Like, yeah, this guy has so much experience within the financial sector and he could have easily just, and he probably has, just written a book just about his financial tools and his knowledge and things like that. But he took the time to write really to us veterans to say, he knows the struggle. Like you said, like you, when you get out and you're not in the place where you used to be, to where you have your rank, you have your duty title, you, you don't know what to do. So for me, that really spoke to me, like the avoiding apathy, the really trying to find your purpose, find the people who you were meant to serve in the way that you can serve them. I was right there. I was right there with them. I'm like, man, not only did I live this, but I'm I'm getting towards the end of it. Like, and this has been a years long process for me. But yeah, you guys wrote an excellent book. So I appreciate that. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's great to hear that feedback because I think it's affirmation for Scott to know that he's headed in the right direction. Oh, yeah. I am equally as impressed that you read a hefty book on finances in three to four days. I can blow through a fiction book in that amount of time, but something that actually requires like thought and processing, probably not going to do, especially <laughs> finance. There's a reason I was a marketing major in business school and uh, not a finance you. major. And journalism major here. Journalism. I only had to take a statistics class and I had to take it twice because the first class I got a C minus. And then in order to pass, I had to get a C. So I retook it. I got a C and I was like, I'm done. I'm going to grammar yeah. and spelling, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, go on. Yeah. That's how I felt about accounting. I may or may not have taken accounting more than once because marketing is fun and pretty and accounting is not. So kudos to you. I mean, I'm curious, like what was your biggest, as a veteran and a military spouse, like what was your biggest takeaway? My husband's active duty and he's five years from retirement mark, not mm. that he's necessarily getting out in five years, but 
we have that option. Yeah. So what was your, you know, what was your biggest takeaway and what do you wish you knew before you got out that you know now, like post reading the book? Yeah, that's, yeah, I appreciate that question. I think the biggest takeaway is knowing that you are probably not going to be able to transfer your financial situation one-to-one mm. like you think. And because that's what we're all told, right? You know, go on LinkedIn. This is the story that Scott tells and that I was told, frankly, you know, go on LinkedIn, put your resume, all these headhunters. I don't know if that's what they're called, but that's what I call them. All these headhunters are coming after you like, oh, you're a young officer. You're getting out. Come talk to our company. And I interviewed at a couple of these companies and, and med tech sales and all that stuff. And these, you know, big ticket companies. But the really the financial picture doesn't just translate, especially when you take into account all of your benefits, your life insurance, your you know commissary BX, BAH, COLA, all that good stuff. That doesn't exist outside of the military, and it's hard to get that out of your head when that's all you've known. You know, like I grew up military, so my parents were in the military, then Air Force Academy, and then you know eight years active duty and then now i'm a military spouse so i've kind of seen a lot of the whole spectrum and it just doesn't work that way and the the other big takeaway i took was that you have to think not just about the financial piece but really that emotional spiritual whatever it is for you that piece is so important because you will get confused the moment you take the uniform off and put on whatever you put on you have been indoctrinated into this club which is the military club and nobody else knows that club outside of the military. And I lived that when we moved to California, after I got out, I was like, I had never lived in California before. A lot of people in California, I mean, y'all know, y'all been there. Jen was in San Diego. People, I mean, in San Diego, in certain towns, they do understand the military, but where we were living in Northern California, Sacramento area, mm-hmm. they were like, military what? Yeah. You know, those 9-11 days are long gone. That's 20, that's ancient history to some of these people right. and not just younger people. They don't understand the military experience. So you're not going to get that. Oh, you know, you'll get a thank you for your service, a quick, you know, yeah, whatever. But they really don't understand what it's like to be in, serve and then get out and then come at it a different angle. So, yeah, long answer to a short question. But, yeah, that mindset piece, not only what job am I going to do, but who do I want to be? Where who are the type of people that I want to speak to? That's so important to have a plan too. No, I love that you brought up that one-to-one thing. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. We are back in my hometown. I grew well, sort of. I grew up in the Hampton Roads area of Virginia, and we're now here again, which is much cheaper than where we were living in San Diego, which is super. <laughs> yeah. But like, even in that, I mean, that that one-to-one thing. I think about we were stationed in Manhattan for three years and oh, wow. had, had toddlers, <laughs> so we did not live in Manhattan because yeah. Manhattan. But even still, you know, I think about I took a short term part time job with a nonprofit up there Mm -hmm. that they would like loved having somebody military affiliated, obviously, Phil. But to your point, like couldn't get any young officer that was just retiring or even young enlisted because they could not as a military nonprofit, they couldn't afford the same pay level that people were coming out at. And everybody with all that leadership experience was, I mean, quite honestly, a little overqualified. Absolutely. Yeah. That is a huge issue. And you're not ready. You know, you don't understand because you've just been progressing up this, you know, ladder in the military, the way it's designed. But then when you get out, 
it's like, well, I, I was captain. I should come in as a product man, project manager at this mid-level, but they don't really see it that way, you know, like, and my career field, which was law enforcement, special investigations, like if I had wanted to continue doing that, I would have had to start completely at the bottom again. Mm -hmm. FBI training, if I wanted to go FBI or whatever. So I knew that coming out and I was like, I'm 30, whatever years old. I'm not going back to be a grunt and, and sucking wind and eating yeah. dirt and all that stuff. Like I already done that like plenty of times. Like, so you have to face this decision, right? Do I like completely start lower, not just pay, but just like position wise, or do I just bounce and just, okay, I'm going to find something else. And that uncharted path I have walked kind of straddled both in my time since I've been out. It's, it's rough either way. Welcome to the world of the military spouse. <laughs> like you are, I mean, I think about my time in Manhattan and yeah. we were, you know, post two back-to-back -back deployments, had two toddlers. Oh I'd given yeah. up a teaching job because who can afford to license in every state? Yeah. You know, was so grateful to do this part-time, short-term, you know, nonprofit mm -hmm. gig because it was something. But I mean, yeah. we're chronically underemployed for Absolutely. the level of skill. And even that, like to your point of you have to know who you are because the transition out, like you were whomever, like Captain So-and-so doing so-and-so, you know, doing these mm -hmm. things. And, you know, and I'm sure you've seen on the military spouse ad, like. I came into the military spouse world with a master's in a real full-time job. I had my own house. I had my own car. I paid Same. my own bills. And yep. then we up and move and none of that holds anymore. So what yeah. do you, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. You, and you have to be okay. Yeah. And I, I like that because on some level you have to be okay with starting over almost every time and whatever it is, it may not even be a PCS. It just may be a lengthy deployment or something or some type of situation that takes them away or just long hours, you know, like I know around here, I'm, I know one of the initial, I don't, I don't want to still dim thunder, but uh, I remember she asked uh, one of the questions in the emails before the interview. And it was like, how do you hold down the fort? You know, I, I find myself doing all this stuff that I never thought I would be doing. <laughs> um, okay. This is going to be an interesting story. But when we were in California, my wife, she has this thing for chinchillas. I don't know if y'all know what a chinchilla is. It's oh, like cute. A fuzzy animal. So we, yeah. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Soft as fur, right? So we had a chinchilla. We had, sadly, we couldn't bring them to Japan because they don't, they don't like things that look like rats. Yeah, I don't know. It's a thing over here. But we had this chinchilla, and I became the caretaker of this chinchilla, you know, because I'm a military spouse. I'm at home, and she's working all day. And so, like, I'm sweeping up chinchilla poo. I'm cleaning chinchilla cages. What do I look like? <laughs> and never see, I didn't even know what one looked like until she, she was like, oh, can we get this? I was like, what is that? I don't even <laughs> I don't know what that is. So, and then, so for two and a half years while we were living in California, I took care of this thing. And that's just one of the many tasks as you know, and you as a mother and you know, like that in itself for parenting, we don't have kids, but I mean, just taking care of the home and doing the things that they can't do while you're there, you, you're just there. Just things just default to you, whether it's cooking, cleaning, holding down the fork, doing yeah. essentially the stuff that they don't have time to do they cannot do but needs to get done all those daily things so that's the life absolutely 
I'm curious to know, Keith, you know, since you have transitioned from being a service member to a military spouse, like have you sure. connected with the military spouse community? Because, you know, Jenny Lynn and I know it's it's a huge community, especially Facebook yeah. groups, organizations, you know, what have you. Has have you decided to be invested in in the military spouse community since you've transitioned? I'll be honest, I have not really like deeply dipped my toe in. And well, not dipped my toe in. I haven't like jumped in completely. And that was because when we were in California, you know, we were stateside. So it was a little bit easier. It was just like, okay, she goes to work. And and then I was teaching at the time, same, Jenny Lynn. I was (laughs) teaching, but it was COVID. So Mm -hmm. I was just at home. Mm -hmm. So didn't really have anywhere to go. So I wasn't like going out. I didn't really have an occasion to bump into people. I definitely didn't run into any other military spouses. But I will say that I have joined this group of, I forget the name of the group, but it's military spouse dudes or something. They call it the nice. names. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Then they have one that's, that's really cute over here in Okinawa. They call it man pendant. Hashtag man pendant. That's amazing. Yeah, it's the name of the group. And I do like, I'm on their Facebook group and I do talk to them. And actually when I found out that I was going to be a guest on this podcast, I kind of hit them up and was like, Hey, you know, I'm going to be on this podcast. What do you guys think or whatever? And just got some feedback from them just about like being a male military spouse, obviously, you know, like yeah. kind of elephant in the room. Not a lot of us when it comes to when you crunch the numbers, just by numbers. Yeah. And that experience definitely affects how we engage with the military spouse community as a whole, because it is majority female. And I'm kind of used to that, you know, having a teaching background, of course, you know, teaching is very female dominant. So I'm used to moving in those spaces, but I just haven't, we've been here a month and a half and yeah, I haven't really done it locally, but yeah, online I've done a little bit. And you have a whole room unpacked. I'm very impressed. Like I see zero boxes there. Good job. Yeah, that Excellent took, work holding down the fort. <laughs> oh, I, I am super proud of that because I was, I was told Jen, when we first talked a couple of weeks ago, my wife yeah. was very sick. So when we moved from the base, because over here in Japan, y'all, COVID is still, it's still out there. There's still a lot of stuff. So there's a lot of restrictions. When we got here, we were on a two-week quarantine just to get off base to do our house hunting or whatever. And then we moved to this place and then that's where my wife is sick. So not only am I taking care of her, but our place, we just got our household goods like that day. And she's like, I need to go to sleep. I need to rest. And so for three or four days straight, your boy was on his feet. And you see these hardwood floors? <laughs> these floors yeah. be hard. I mean, when you spend three or four, four hours just back and forth, unpacking boxes, unwrapping, unwrapping a little paper, yeah. They have like a Japanese style. I don't know if y'all have y'all ever been to Japan? I I was I was born in Japan. So I, oh, I, that's I right, get the that's culture. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they have these bathroom rooms where the whole room, you know, you can just shower and whatever. Yeah. But there's a tub, and I filled the tub full of the PCS packing paper and it oh. almost reached the ceiling. <laughs> I had to sit on it to compress it so it wouldn't like touch the ceiling so I could like put more paper on it. And I had a the whole bathroom is basically full of boxes, even oh the shower gosh. area. You know, that's yeah. one thing I have to say I forgot and miss 
about Japan is how spacious the bathrooms actually are. Oh, yeah. Given no, like how nice. compact like Japan is in general, yeah, like yeah. you have that whole like jacuzzi space. And it's so funny because yeah. like, you know, Americans who see this jacuzzi thing, they'll think, oh, I, it's, I have to treat it like a jacuzzi. But it's like, no, you mm-hmm. go in there to soak, soak your body. And then, mm-hmm. you know, like actually first you shower and then you go in there to like soak your yeah. body. You know, like there's a whole thing around just washing yeah. your body in Japan, which is actually quite fascinating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that, like, that is so funny that you ended up, you know, temporarily using your bathroom as storage. Oh yeah, it was a storage <laughs> room. Yeah, it was no longer a bathroom. Yeah, no, I love that. And uh, I have to say, um, and I have to say this almost sh- shamefully, you know, Keith, like you are literally the second male military spouse we've had like on this show and Jenny Lynn didn't get a chance to interview the first one with me so knowing that there's a hashtag men dependent out there and that you're part of a men's group hook us up (laughs) if if any of them feel like coming on and sharing their story like because their stories are just as valid Jenny Lynn can share the statistics of what how many military spouses are actually in the military community so I can only imagine Mm -hmm. that that small percentage is of male spouses. I was going to say, if I represent a quarter of 1%, Keith is probably like (laughs) 0.25% of a quarter of a percent. (laughs) Yeah. There sure aren't many of you. I think I've I've met a handful that I can think of. And most like you are prior, you know, military themselves. Yeah. That's a lot of their stories is that Mm -hmm. they... They got out, they were in, and then their spouse or partner or wife or whatever decided to either go in after they got out or as they were already in, or Mm -hmm. they were in together and one got out early. So yeah, it's that experience. And when I talk to the guys sometimes, and it's interesting about this group, because when I first got on there earlier this year, the issues range, you know, from like, okay, the very silly, it's just some memes or whatever to like really serious issues about guys, you know, asking like, I don't know how to do this. This is hard. And of course it comes from the expectation of, you know, we're men, you know, like we're, most of us were brought up to be providers, to be for the minimum for our families. And I know I was, you know, I'm from Texas South and Southern kind of uh, upbringing and, it's like you take care of your family mm-hmm. and it's hard to feel like you're doing that when you are not the breadwinner, when you are not the one where, okay, we're following me around, you know, you've got to kind of make yourself okay with that. And it, including a lot of aspects of military life. But I think this is something for me, I'm not going to speak to the other guys, but for me that I know that's something that I've had to really deal with. And, and I know some of the other guys have too, because I've seen their comments in the group, mm-hmm. but um, they're all committed. I mean, and that's one of the things I love about the group too. There's very little drama, you know, we're guys. So we come in and we're just like, <laughs> we love it. We drop a comment and it's like, yeah. okay, yeah, what about this? Okay. Nobody answers that. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> then you come back <laughs> and do the same thing maybe a couple of weeks later, but all by and large, it's very supportive. I mean, even some people will come and talk about some taboo things or whatever, some people will, you know, express their opinions, but it's generally out of respect. And I feel like it is a good place. So, I, you know, I don't know if there's any man pendants listening to this, but if you are, I, I'd say find those Facebook groups or if there's one locally at your base, duty station or whatever, you know, you know, sniff it out and see, because it's good to have that support just to know that there's other guys going through it 
and really trying to navigate the life and, and be the best um, partners, military spouses. You know, some of them are entrepreneurs, um, mm-hmm. other podcasters. I mean, these people have these lives, but I think what they feel the most is that, of course, it's hard to get a voice in the military spouse community, like proper. Mm-hmm. So if I, there's, I've read many accounts over the months that I've been on the, the group of guys that have been trying to join the, the military spouse club or whatever at their base or their unit or whatever. And it's mixed results. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they're accepted fully by other other military spouses, mostly female, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes they get run out or sometimes certain things happen and circumstances vary, but it is a different experience. And I think it's it's interesting to feel that as a as a male spouse in the community. Yeah. Yeah. As you're talking, Keith, I just wanna thank you, you know, for just how candid you are with sharing this. You know, sure. as I mentioned, the majority of our guests have been, you know, female spouses, if anything. Yeah. And so for you to just share your story so openly, I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah. also I know that it's not a surprise because you are a fellow podcaster. <laughs> like you, you've done a couple of shows. And so I think what would be fun for our listeners now is to get a snapshot of your life. Like since you've transitioned and, you know, sure. as you are in this space of wanting to network. And so tell us yeah. a little bit about the podcast shows that you've done already. Oh, my life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because we were talking offline, you know, that, yeah. you know, we, we we're just this is why I wanted to describe you as multi-passionate because, you yeah, know, yeah. you're at this time and space where you're doing everything and anything. And I was kind of jokingly saying offline that my husband was very much like that when we first met him. And, you sure. know, five years into working together, it's only now that we're starting to really hone in on what we're actually sure. talking about, who we're actually talking to. But this yeah. was like five years in the making of us together. This was not, not even counting the years before I met him. So I can yeah. only imagine like, like I think I think the season of your life right now is worth sharing and and also validating sure. because we need, the, we need this time to explore a lot of things, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll say this, so next week is my get out of the military bursary. I don't know if that's oh. a thing, but that's... <laughs> Yeah. Transition um, anniversary. I don't know. Transition <laughs> I'll be five years out next year or next wow. week. And yeah, it's been a road. It's been a road. So like initially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it started. I wanted to be a freelance Spanish interpreter. Now, I know that sounds random, but <laughs> if I take it back, I'm really passionate about foreign languages foreign languages are kind of my thing. I, my, I majored in, we didn't have a foreign language major at the Air Force Academy, but we had what's called foreign area studies. So that's what I majored in. And, and it's kind of like poli-sci with like cultural areas sprinkled on top. So mine was Asia. I minored in Japanese. I took Japanese at the Academy. So after I got out, I was like, man, I'm moving to California. They speak a lot of Spanish there. I'm trying to become an interpreter. So I did that for a few years and I kind of hit a wall there because it's really hard to like become like certified. And my goal was to be a court interpreter. It's really hard to get certified. Just like a lot of things are in California. Things are just harder because it's California because they can't, yeah. you know, it's just a hard, I, you know, I, I appreciate you saying uh, that. Cause I feel like since yeah. I've been in the East coast for the last three years, I'm like, 
wow, like people are nicer here. Life feels slower <laughs> out here. Like people are more forgiving of, ga- of you gaining weight out here. You know, like California, like when I last visited, you know, in August, it was like, I, I remember feeling so uptight again. Like I literally yeah. like picked out my wardrobe because I knew that my, my friends just have this habit of pulling out their phones yeah. and unapologetically taking pictures. But anyway, I hear yeah. you in, in the difficulty of California and I'm sure Jalen can add to that as well. <laughs> yeah. It's that Cali life, you know, I feel like I don't know what it is about it over there, but becoming a teacher over there was a process, too. So that's what I did next. Around 2018, I was like, this isn't working. I'm kind of stuck. And then at that time, right, I'm going through this, you know, when we circle back at the beginning, we talked about that identity, talking about like being lost. I went through that um, at that time. I was I was going through it. Mm-hmm. So. I went back to teaching because when I first got out, like immediately after I went out, I went back to San Antonio and I actually became an avid tutor. So this is a type of tutor that basically prepares kids for college who, Mm. you know, it just gives them an opportunity to get tutored in certain classes and pushes them towards college. So I did that at my old high school and I was like, you know what, you know, I kind of like this teaching thing. And so I put it in the back of my mind. Like I was like, file away for, for later. Um, so that I revisited it in 2018. So I decided to go back, got my teacher credential and became a math teacher. But of course, as what happens in most people's story, COVID. Yep, COVID, good old <laughs> the COVID. The COVID, good old COVID. <laughs> so for me, my COVID story is I was actually in my teaching credential program and I was doing my student teaching at a middle school in my town where we used to live. And so I remember the day after my birthday, which is in March. That was when we hit the lockdown. That was like the day after. I remember the kids singing happy birthday to me. And that was the last time I ever saw them. that essentially cut off my program. So of course my program, I hadn't finished. I had to go through all this thing. And then the state of California ended up saying, okay, if you're at this point in your credential, you can do this. You can be certified to actually teach because that was a huge concern. So I ended up getting a job at a high school in Sacramento and yeah, I taught there until we eventually PCS'd as what happens in the military, as military spouses. And now I was like, well, I have a state of California teaching credential, but I'm in Japan. Do that. So um, so as I was going, to, that was my kind of professional. And that's like professional stuff, interpreting, teaching. But on the side, I started to write. So back in 2017, I started getting together. I was trying to write basically a field guide for learning languages. Because as I said, I'm a big, since I got out of the academy, I've continued to study Japanese on my own. I taught myself Spanish to fluency, including like I got a GED in Spanish. Wow. Because I was trying to like show that I took the test entirely in Spanish and everything. Wow. Um, yeah, I took the DLPT, the Defense Language Proficiency Test in Spanish, tested at a 3-3, and I, I never took a class in Spanish. And even though I grew up in San Antonio, like, I didn't grow up speaking Spanish, only bad words. And, you know, <laughs> I, well, I can say the same living in San Diego for, like, 20 years. I just, I never picked it up. Even yeah. though we were, like, constantly pressured to learn Spanish because of the yeah. marketplace, I just couldn't do it. But continue. <laughs> yeah, so bottom line is languages are kind of my thing. So I wanted to write, like, a field guide based on all of my experience, like teaching myself languages for other people. So that resulted in my first book. And I have it here. You're not going to be able to see it because it's a podcast, right? But if you imagine a blue book with a cover, it's called The Tower of Babbling. 
And Ooh, it's, which yeah. you can provide in the show notes, by the way. Sure. So we can yeah. Talk about we'll, that put it, we'll put it in the show notes. Yes. But um, that was my first book and it turned out great. We didn't end up publishing until like 2019. But yeah, I was super proud of the book. So the book came out, but I didn't really, you know, I wasn't, I didn't really feel like an author because I just put it out and I wasn't like trying to market or anything. But then my second book came along, as you see the poster behind me. Well, once again, this podcast, you can't see me. It's called, <laughs> <laughs> we're on video. They'll be listening to this. In yeah, the yeah. But this is my second book, Sirius and Limnick. It's a Ooh. fiction novel, a science fiction novel about two rival organizations called Sirius and Limnick that are fighting over the future of humanity and evolution. Protect people and planet. That's what they're trying to do, but they all, they have different ways about going about it. And it focuses on the different characters who are caught up in that conflict. And these characters, many of them, true to form, are military veterans or have military experience, but it's not really just a military novel. It definitely has a lot of ideas about our society and ways to like, it's some extrapolations of that, but ways to hypothesize about making it better. That's basically why I wrote the novel. So that novel actually came out earlier this year in January. Oh, wow. So since then, I have really been like, I actually been on a couple of uh, YouTube interviews and I was on the So Wizard podcast. It's just, it's just this nerd podcast that they, you know, talk about stuff like that because I sprinkle in stuff with like Japanese anime, Chinese culture. It's really a hybrid of different scenarios, things, my experience. And, and that's what I'm really good at is kind of like synthesizing and taking things from different places and then kind of putting them together into a coherent narrative or story. So that's what I wanted to do. So fast forward to, I find Scott's stuff and I have these two books. I already have a website. I already have an email list. I hadn't really been marketing hardcore but I'll share with this with you that this just this morning, I got an email because now I'm in the process of turning this book into an audio drama podcast. Mm. And I got an email that said that my podcast is ranking in United Kingdom. OK, it's like number 57 <laughs> or something. Another thing to add podcast. to the show notes. <laughs> ah. I've never gotten such an email in my life. That just happened like I woke up like an hour or an hour and a half ago. So, yeah. Wow. Um, so it is working like it, I am gaining momentum. And this is one of the reasons that I'm here is to expand that network, expand the reason, not just to get more people to find it, but really it's about the message because, and I shared this with you, uh, Jen, that my kind of personal mission statement, I've refined it since the last time we talked, but it's, it's to develop change makers through, by connecting them, humanity and cultures through education, technology, and story. This is my personal mission statement that I've come up with for myself. And it really encompasses everything that I've done and that I intend to do through my books, through my teaching, through, I'm a, you know, as we talked about, you know, a couple of weeks ago, when it comes to technology, I'm really interested in that. I talked, we talked a little bit about AI voices and things like that. So I'm very oh, yeah. interested in yeah. this futurist. I feel like I could talk things. for hours, like offline. Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, I have so many ideas for stuff that I want to do. And then yeah. what was lacking is like the business acumen, the business side and the marketing. I know I'm stepping into you guys' territory with this, but I'm very new to that side. So I'm learning. I'm learning quickly though. I'm reading stuff and listening to books and learning how to like turn it on to where 
not only can you bring attention, but you can actually make a living from it, but you can find the people you serve at the same time. So it all kind of runs together. So yeah, that's the, that's the summary, right? So much I love it. I mean, I may or may not have some jealousy over the fact that he has two books published with his name on the cover and a poster <laughs> in his office there. Yeah. No, I actually, I was really thinking when he started talking about personal mission statement, I was like, oh my God, my husband would love that he is a mission statement kind of guy. Absolutely. And as I have gone from teaching to military mental health, to podcasting, to writing, to he has really encouraged me to do the same because I think it goes back to what we started this with is like, you have to know who you are in order to know where you're going to go. And that like, we have worked very much together to craft one for our family and kind of left out that like that meant that we were two people coming to that like we're really good Mm -hmm. at like this is our family vision this is what we want to do but like individually yeah you know we haven't been so great at that and so just over the last like year or two as i've really like kind of dived headlong into the podcasting thing and the writing thing in addition to working full-time he's really encouraged me to write my own and i said oh my gosh he's gonna listen to this podcast and be like see i told you You're not going to listen to me. Third party is always the best party, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's so important to just keeping, you know, to your point, Jenny Lynn, it's so important to keeping you grounded and focused. And and Jen was talking about how, you know, Scott was doing all these things and I'm doing, you know, multi-talented because, of course, going along with the podcast, I'm the podcast editor, I'm the music composer, I'm the sound engineer, I'm, yeah. I'm, the, I'm a voice actor, I do everything. I just <laughs> record and send everything to Dennis, like, so you are more well-rounded of a podcaster than I am, so yeah. I literally <laughs> come here to talk to people and occasionally bring friends on the show. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, are, y'all are doing it smarter than me, because I'm sitting here, like, taking hours doing all this stuff, and y'all are like, okay, I'm just going to do an interview. And I'm done. I'll go do other things. But we all have our styles, right? (laughs) We do. We do. And I I actually enjoy the audio piece. I grew up. My my dad was actually a radio DJ. Oh, neat. Well, there you go. Explains it all. He ended his he ended, I know, chip off the old block, right? Um, he ended his career as at our oldie station in San Antonio on at Como. Mm. So I grew up, you know, telling people my dad was on the radio and things like that. And it was just kind of an interesting, the first time I ever set up my microphone, and it's off camera, but my microphone is there. I was just like, I kind of felt a little emotional because I was like, man, I wonder what my dad would say, you know, mm. hearing his, his son, you know, like doing not only radio stuff, but really just sound. I grew up an audio guy. My dad, you know, you can see these tower speakers behind me. My dad always had like, nice stereo everything some things would be busted broke down but like the stereo was always nice mm-hmm. because that, that was his job you know and, and he remember he had hundreds of records our house we still have them back in my mom's house back in San Antonio just hundreds of just old records and so I grew up listening to so many different sounds and Motown and country music and of course pop music Michael Jackson heavy rotation you know at the house and that really affected me so now Fast forward now, anything, all things audio, it just kind of came to me, you know, like I was like, okay, there's a lot of technical stuff to learn with using DAWs and learning equipment and learning technical things in music, but I don't know, just maybe it was something genetic or whatever. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember my dad like telling me, oh, you're going to do sound radio stuff too, but 
I, I don't know. It just was easy for me. Yeah. But it is a lot of hats to wear. It is a lot of hats. And having the personal mission statement just makes it to where you know where you should be focusing your time and who you should be focusing your time and attention and efforts on. And that made it a lot easier to say yes. Because right now, there's not a lot of stuff. You know, I said I got that email, but a lot of stuff hasn't come from what I've been doing yet. But when stuff does start coming, there's going to be a time where you have to start saying no. Yeah. To things and having the personal mission statement says, okay, that doesn't align with what I'm trying to do, how I interface with the world. So I'm going to let that pass, but this does. So that seems worth my time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I think about mission statements, I kind of think about, it's more about like setting goals and kind of yeah. painting your picture destination. It's more about setting intentions, right? It's like, how do I want to show up in the world? What do I want to do, be, you know, have, yeah. and how do I do that in my day-to-day activity? And it comes down to that mission statement. So, you know, yeah. even though, uh, even though on the surface, it looks like you're doing a lot, Keith, in reality, it all aligns with your mission statement, which I Absolutely. think is amazing. And so I just, I just absolutely uh, love that. So, you know, all that being said, Keith, I just want to thank you again for just giving us a candid snapshot of your life, you know, just how it's been like for you in the last five years, having that like physical, emotional, spiritual transition after the military to being Mm -hmm. a military spouse, to having all these projects and everything. And now you're in this space where you're like, I want to put myself out there. I want to connect with people. And so tell us to our listeners, if there's anyone you're looking to connect with specifically, you know, what does that look like for you? Like, who would you like to connect with or who would you, you know, what types of people would you like to encourage to reach out to you so that you can continue to expand your network? Sure. Well, the immediate, I'm just looking for ears on my podcast and I'm working on another project here locally in Japan for teaching languages. So not actually teaching like Japanese, like the nuts and bolts of language, but teaching the language philosophy, because that's really what my first book is about. It's Mm -hmm. the Tower of Babbling. It's like how you learn any language, not just Japanese or Spanish, but any language to professional fluency if you want to. So I'm looking for that. I'm also looking for, that's part of my mission statement, right? That's why we're finding change makers. Those are the people that I really want to connect with because ultimately I envision this. And it's funny because my wife just asked me this like a couple of nights ago, like, what is your goal? What are you trying to do with all this? You know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I didn't really it was hard to like put it into words, but I see it becoming kind of like a school in the future. And I don't have anything official yet. I have my website, but it's not a school, but I see it becoming something akin to that, to where we're not only training skills for the future, but we're training mentality. We're training people how to better connect with the things that they have their unique gifts and talents so they can share it better with the world, whatever form that it takes. That's really what I see it going to. But of course I didn't have like the five-year plan or something. So that was uh, my wife did like that too. (laughs) 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 She was like, okay, okay. We we won't talk about this later. I was like, oh, okay. Our spouses are our biggest critics. (laughs) Absolutely. But they're also a huge shout out to my wife. Yeah. She she is not a podcast person. She's a super fast reader. Mm. So she would much rather have a very long book or long thing to read than listen to. She says they're too slow. They talk so slow and they just go on and on. And (laughs) some of them last for hours. I told her I listened to a five and a half hour podcast. She was like, (laughs) 
Is that the history podcast? Because there, there's a podcast that Scott listens to that's like five yeah. hours long. Okay, I think I know we're talking about. Okay, you know which one? Hardcore history. About. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, yep. Like same thing. Yeah, I had it wasn't that one, but yeah, yeah. I, I have listened to longer podcasts. But anyway, she's oh, not man. a podcast person. It's not how she absorbs material, but she's so supportive. She's actually led her voice to my audio drama podcast, and she's just been such a good sport about like everything. So love you, baby. If you yes. listened this far, you probably have it, but it's okay. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I wish she can listen to it on like one and a half times, which is how yeah. she consumes all of her audio content at like the speed of light. There you go. <laughs> two times speed. Yep. That, yep. Anywhere from 1.5 to two, two times speed is like my jam. Cause usually what'll happen is Dennis gives me the initial edits of the recording. And then I just put it at two times speed. And then I'm like, I only like cut out certain things that maybe we didn't want mentioned or whatever, but yeah, I just, sure. I think as a podcaster, it's like, it's just faster. It's, it's like, I can digest a lot better when I speed up yeah. the audio. Cause For I'm sure. not the, I know some listeners, they like to hear I don't know the sounds or like the pauses in between, but I'm like, no, nah, I just want to get to it. And so I'm that listener. That is me. <laughs> Anytime it auto speeds up on me, I'm like, what is happening? It did it this morning. And I was like, why are they talking so fast? Oh, why do they sound like chipmunks now? Yeah. What happened yeah, to yeah. their voices? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, Keith, thank you so much for sharing that. And again, just coming so candidly. And I think that's what I love the most about doing the show with Jenny Lynn is we just naturally attract people who are okay with just coming mm-hmm. as they are, you know, coming yeah. as they are in whatever season they are in their life, whether it's in the military or even after the military. And yeah. so as we wrap up here, Keith, how would you like people to get a hold of you? Whether it's your social links or websites, let us know how people can find you and reach out to you if they want to network with you. The hub is my website, keithhayden.net, K-E-I-T-H-H-A-Y-D-E-N.net. I'm also on, I've been more active on LinkedIn, thanks to Scott's stuff <laughs> lately. So LinkedIn, you can find me there. Just put that name in LinkedIn and you'll find me, hopefully. Um, I'm sure there's other Keith Haydens, but I'm also on Twitter. I'm not as active on Twitter, but it's there at K-H underscore author. And then YouTube. YouTube is probably my second most active. I have Keith Hayden dash author. Check out the podcasts. It's called Sirius and Limnick. I know the name's a little weird. Sirius is spelled C-E-R-E-U-S and Limnick, spell it how it sounds, L-I-M-N-I-C. That's the name of the book. And of course, the audio drama podcast that I'm really happy about, such a labor of love. And then of course, The Tower of Babbling. Look for, if you're interested in learning foreign languages, I know a lot of us military spouses, we're all over, we're around the world. So I know that's something that a lot of people have as a goal is to learn the foreign language. People in Europe, they want to learn German or French or something like that. I am coming out with a course, basically, that will have 30-day challenges and will have, I'm going to teach and be a teacher. Like I got my certification it. I'm going to teach how to learn these languages better. I really want to help guide people do that. So I'm, I'm still in the process of setting all that stuff up, but yeah, yes. more details on my website and sign up for my email list so you can get a whole bunch of extra goodies. Check out I my love website. it. And of course, to our listeners, we will provide all that information. Keith will send them to me. <laughs> we'll write all of the links and ways you can get a hold of him in the show notes. Other than that, any closing thoughts? I I just appreciate this time. And I've always been a person that kind of is better talking through my thoughts. So as you can tell, I'm not a big rehearsed type of guy. I just kind of, this, my thoughts just kind of come out and this is good. This has basically been a reminder that I am on the right path, that I'm doing what I need to do to hold down the fort for myself and for, to advance my 
to expand my reach for not just people listening to my stuff, but just like my, that mission statement, right. That we talked about. So I, yes. I'm really grateful for this. Thank you very much. To both yeah. Of you. Well, thank you for spending this hour with us. It was an absolute pleasure to continue the conversation after our offline conversation with Scott. Jenny Lynn, any closing thoughts before we go? Oh no, this was lovely. I could do this all day long. <laughs> Um, this, <laughs> this is why I love favorite. Jenny Lynn. She loves talking to one people. My all the time. favorite things that I do in determining who I am as a person and going along with a mission statement, podcasting with you and getting to meet people like Keith is one of my most favorite things. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. To our listeners, thank you for listening, and we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. We hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. Get access to our show notes and subscribe to our newsletter by checking out the details of this episode on your preferred podcasting platform or visit our website, holdingdownthefortpodcast.com. And while you're on holdingdownthefortpodcast.com, be sure to follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or our YouTube channel. If you got a lot of value from today's conversation, kindly leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or leave us a recommendation on our LinkedIn profiles. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time. Oh,